Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Neil Fox Show. My name is Neil Fox, your future president, and, uh, of course, the first and only president of time and space, democratically elected, of course. And with me, as always, is my partner in love and in life, Link Labrador. Hello, hello, yes, this is Link Labrador, the democratically elected vice president of time and space, and... Vice President and pa- President of Poppies. Yes, I am both. Is a dictatorship, not a democracy. Puppies live under a dictatorship. That's good to know. Uh, yes, my dictatorship. And if anyone says otherwise, I'm willing to bite. I'm willing to bark at them. Of course you are. <clears throat> By the way, uh, this reminds me of a another fun project that we'll discuss after we discuss our uh, vending machine project. But uh, I want to create a video game. Of cats versus dogs. Yes. Where dogs are the American space program, and cats are the Soviet space program. <laughs> and then we can have other space programs, like the European space program. So, uh, <coughs> what is an example? Uh, and sorry if there's a bit of coughing and sneezing in this episode, uh, my friends, because... Uh, We're un- both dying slightly, it's fine. Unfortunately, we both are uh, trapped in physical bodies for the moment. And so, uh, sometimes, we get sick, and uh, we, we currently are uh, sick with some type of cold or something. So, I apologize that my voice is probably not as silky smooth as you are used to, but that's fine. So, uh, what would be a good animal to represent the European Space Agency? What, what's a European animal? It's a British bulldog. That would be amazing. <laughs> or, or... What about an Irish sheep? That would be very funny. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the Scotsman would be very pr- pleased with that one. Oh yes, and Scotsman padding kill. How about how about the Chinese space agency is represented by pandas, <laughs> and the Japanese space agency, of course, can be represented by foxes. Oh yes. So. uh... China, if you're listening to us... and Which it, I know you are, by the way. Uh, China, since you're listening to us, uh, we don't care, and Winnie the Pooh... Oh, by the way, your uh, leader looks like Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you have to say, and... Um, yeah, yeah, China. We yes, uh, China, I have a question for we you. We don't capitulate. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Uh, China... I have a question for you before this video gets deleted off of YouTube by your terrible, terrible censors. Uh, Why are you allowing one person to completely dominate your politics? Because uh, that is not a communist revolution. That is a dictatorship, not of the proletariat, as uh, a communist would want to say, but a dictatorship of a dictator. So, my dear, I have a question. Yes? What happens when, and yes, I say when, because it is important. Yep. What happens when China is run by a dictator, Russia is run by a dictator, and the European Union does whatever the European Union is going to do? Uh, mostly fall apart. Mostly but. fall apart, but probably not be run by a dictator, but uh, a, rather a series of um, bureaucrats in Brussels. Uh, because, yes, I, I would be surprised if Europe fell into a dictatorship. But then again, if 
you have so much bureaucracy, like what is happening in the UK right now, if you have so much bureaucracy that you can't get anything done, uh, then you don't have a dictatorship of a person. <laughs> but rather have... than a, you rather you have a dictatorship of paperwork. Well, a dictator, a dictatorship of paperwork is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. A papers, please. Papers, please. Oh, did you hear that they want to make it so that you have to show a ID to enter on any social media form website? Of course they do. <sighs> they want to make that a thing now. Of course they do. Uh, I'm not surprised. By the way, what percentage of U.S. citizens do not have an ID? Uh, depends on who you're talking to. Uh, in total. I mean, you're talking about I am all to, citizens. I am going to bat that one right back to you, because this oh. seems like a hot potato I don't want to answer. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, last I checked the statistics, roughly about 5% of the American population does not have a government ID, either because they don't want to or because they are so poor that paying $30 for an, for an ID is an exorbitant price. If you are homeless and you have the choice between, you know, paying for your cell phone for a month so that you can call the EMS service if you get uh, frozen to death, or uh, yeah. buying an ID for $30, you're going to buy the phone service. That's just, that's just how the human brain works. Despite the fact that, <clears throat> in most cases, buying the ID would actually benefit their life much more. However, they, in many cases, are mentally ill, in many cases, are not able to go into the office of the mental health provider or the government health office or whatever and take care of themselves. It is very unfortunate, but that's just the world we live in. I'm going to work on fixing it, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, we're working on that one. So, anyway, <clears throat> before, we, uh, before we continue, what questions do you have so far? Uh, the questions... Mostly back to the audience. So, my question is, how does this all apply to our current set of plans, and which vending machines do we want to put in our glorious brew house? Yes, let's get back to a um, slightly more fun topic than uh, the world collapsing. Um, <clears throat> we are going to be creating something called Bjorn's Brew House. Now, who is Bjorn, my dear? Uh, give a summary, please. Bjorn! Tell me about your character, Bjorn. A quick summary of Bjorn. Bjorn is... Mo Bjorn is mostly bred from Dungeons & Dragons and other... <laughs> bred yeah. from Dungeons & Dragons? So Dungeons & Dragons had a baby? He, he, started off, he started off as a Dungeons & Dragons character, and then I developed a persona around him, and now I want to make a brew house using his name because, one... Uh, the name is, can't be copyrighted. Of course not. And two, why not? Well, <clears throat> if I were going to make my own brew house with my own branding, I would call it the Prancing Pony. Because I could put a My Little Pony-ish, uh, My Little Pony-style character yes. on the sign, and the Prancing Pony is the name of the bar or tavern just outside of Hobbiton in The Lord of the Rings. Yes. 
However, you, my friend, want to make one that is slightly different, that is based on one of your D&D characters. And in fact, I like that idea more. So, by using our process of iterative design, iterative meaning iterations, meaning one step after the other. Correct. We have come up with an idea that is better than what I came up with first. Great. Okay. So, Bjorn's brew house is going to have one employee at most of the time. One, maybe two. One employee. This employee will serve alcohol and check people's IDs. Correct. Now, we might, when it's busy, we might get a second employee to do, like, cleaning or something like that. But... There is no reason that we can't have ten vending machines selling everything else. Correct. Especially because there are now many different types of vending machines that can take all different types of payment, including crypto. Correct. So, we will be able to sell things like uh, ice cream. If we want to sell ice cream, we'll be able to sell uh, things like sodas. I would prefer to sell things a little bit healthier than sodas, but if we don't sell sodas, people will complain. So um, we'll sell sodas, we'll sell lemonades, we'll sell um, uh, sparkling water, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll sell various different types of drinks. Mm-hmm. But we will also sell physical items out of our vending machines, such as miniatures for your D&D campaign. Miniatures, dice. D&D campaign books. Mm-hmm. Warhammer stuff, because why not? Absolutely. At some point, we will be printing our own... Mm-hmm. We will be printing our own Warhammer minifigs, because uh, I don't care about you, Games Workshop. Go away! If we can 3D print oh. Warhammer minifigs and then make it accessible, I don't care about what is acceptable in this world. Oh, uh, I don't care if Games Workshop is going to try to copyright the concept of a two foot, two, I'm sorry, two feet, sorry, two inch tall minifigure. Uh, good luck. Uh, we'll just create our own. Two inch tall dolls existed long before the Games Workshop company. Uh-huh. And will exist long after we drive Games Workshop into the ground. We'll 3D print our own. Because, you know what Sandlore Technologies also does, besides Bitcoin mining machines? Uh, 3D printers. Yep. So, we will be buying all of our 3D printing operations from Mr. Sandlore down the street. Yep, he'll become our best friend. Oh, yeah. It's very ironic that he didn't give me a job. But who cares? I will give him a job working for me. So... Well, here is what I envision for the different types of vending machines. Because obviously, we will have different vending machines for different purposes. Okay? Oh, yeah. So, the first one is going to be exceptionally basic. Especially because this type of vending machine is very, very inexpensive. Okay? Correct. It is simply the box with stuff in it. Uh huh. The one that sells, you know, candy, uh, bags of chips, bags of cookies, that kind of thing. You've seen these everywhere. Oh, yeah. And they are exceptionally simple machines. Uh Uh-huh. And now, I would like to simply take a very quick break 
I explain to you why they work so well. My dear, this is the simple machine. Simple and clean is, is the way that you're making me feel tonight. I didn't know you were a fan of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, <clears throat> this is the simple machine. Have you have your visual attention, please? Yes. This is the simple machine that allows these vending machines to work. Yes. What I'm, is this shape? I am very familiar with this simple machine. What is it called? Oh, depends on which machine we're talking about. Are we in talking- a vending machine? What is this called? A cooling element. It's called a corkscrew. Okay. And by simply spinning in a circle, this corkscrew can dispense one item. Yes. How convenient that it does not need anything more complicated than that. Uh, Correct. The even simpler one is, put stuff in, close lid, have human walk up to machine, open lid, take item out, buy item. Well, that's how uh, newspaper vending works, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question. Because you're bringing up another concept of something that we are going to use very, 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 very frequently. Oh, yeah. Darling, these uh, newspaper vending machines. How many of them are currently being unused in the United States? (laughs) You're, You're joking, right? The answer is tens of millions. Tens of millions are currently sitting on street corners because they were installed 30 years ago and no one has paid to move them. Correct. So we will simply go to places like (gasps) Little Rock, Arkansas, where there are many of these machines currently being unused by defunct newspapers that went out of business. Correct. And we will fill these things with books. Fair enough. And people can pay 25 cents to open the library and take as many books as they want. Oh, yeah. Now, we recommend that people only take one for a donation of 25 cents or a dollar or whatever amount of money that that machine takes. We, we won't even bother retooling the machine. Some of them, some of them are a dollar, some of them are a dollar 25, some of them are 50 cents, whatever. It doesn't matter. When we're talking about books that we can get from Goodwill by the thousand for $50 per thousand. Correct. It doesn't matter whether we get 50 cents or a dollar or a dollar 25. Correct. So we will not bother to retool the machine. We will simply put a sticker on the outside of the machine that says learning library mm-hmm. or something like that. I recommend that we call it The Labrador Learning Library. Yes. The Labrador Learning Library. And we will specifically, when we buy books, uh, you know, in bulk, we'll buy them from libraries and schools and... Uh, Goodwill, and we will specifically buy educational books. Yes. And we will also buy fiction books, but uh, in general, an educational book is much more valuable. 
And we will put a disclaimer. Yeah. On the outside. That says. We do not check to see what content is in each of the books. Sounds great. So, if you are under the age of 18, make sure you purchase with the permission of an adult. That will just be on the outside of the machine, and if they have a problem with that, they can uh, go and read a Bible, which has a lot of objectionable material in it. Even more murder and violence, but whatever. Uh, some people may not remember that um, one of the ancestors of Abraham, the founder of both the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim religion. Yeah. One of his ancestors, if I recall correctly, one of his ancestors um, had incestuous relations with his daughters to create the genetic line that led to Abraham. Now, that, in my opinion, is quite objectionable. But, that's in the Bible. So, if you have a problem with us selling a copy of a book that you don't like for 25 cents, uh, how about you go to any church in America and pick up a Bible instead? Yeah, either way, you're going to have an enlightening experience. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> you might even find Nirvana. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Read, uh, reading has been an important part of my enlightenment process, but, you know, to each their own. So these are newspaper vending machines. Okay? So there is our second type of vending machine. The newspaper vending machine. Because there are something like 10 million of these currently not being used. Only 10 mil that aren't being used. Well, darling, that's one for every 30 people in America. I was... <laughs> <coughs> oh, you were joking. Okay. I was joking, my love. Uh, for the listener's benefit, um, I am autistic, and I cannot tell when people are joking. It's almost like Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, except Drax is funny when he does it. Correct. So. Anyway, we will have this type of vending machine where you can choose exactly what you want. Okay? We will also have several different types of vending machines excuse me, that give you a random item. Yes. Okay? So, here is one of them. And there are many that we can do in a similar style. Okay? Many people may not know, but gumball machines can also sell capsules. Now, <clears throat> the next time that you walk into a grocery store, notice that there are several sticker vending machines and several capsule vending machines at the front. Oftentimes, they no longer sell gumballs, because obviously the grocery store wants to sell gumballs if people want to buy them. Correct. But when it comes to little knickknacks and stuff, you're not competing with the grocery store. So they don't care. The vending machine company pays the grocery store $500 a month, or whatever. Yep. And then they get to put capsule vending machines in the front of the store. 
So the grocery store makes money, and the grocery store does not have competition because the grocery store is not in the business of giving people random uh, crap. Correct. <clears throat> now, what is the most effective way? Okay, what is the most effective way to get people to buy something from a machine where there is an element of randomness in the machine? Uh, you tell me. Well, this comes back to principles from a wonderful scientist who has created a lot of pain and destruction in the world, but uh, was doing good science at the time. Named B.F. Skinner. <clears throat> Do you know what B.F. Skinner was researching? I don't remember, no. Okay. So, we're going to draw a diagram for you, Mr. Labrador. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. I will need your visual attention for a few moments. Okay. Okay. So, B.F. Skinner was studying pigeons. But his experiments have been replicated with all different types of animals, including humans. Okay? Okay. <clears throat> now, fortunately, we do not live in a society where we can put humans in a laboratory environment for months at a time. But with things like lab rats, pigeons, and other relatively uncomplicated animals, for whatever reason, people have decided that that is ethically all right. Okay? So, on one axis of our chart, of the B.F. Skinner chart, okay, on one axis we have time. Yes. And on the other axis we have Reward. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So this is a chart. Uh, for those listening on the radio, it's a chart with four quadrants. Okay? Yes. So four sections. Two for time, two for reward. Okay. So... <clears throat> the time element is either random or fixed. <clears throat> okay. And the reward element is either random or fixed. Or fixed. Okay. So give me an example of a fixed reward. Uh, dog treat. No. <clears throat> Tell me. Oh, actually, sorry. As long as the dog treat is the same every time, then yes, that would be a fixed reward. I'm sorry, I, I misunderstood the, uh, the answer. So, we're going to give an example of a fixed reward as a dog treat. Okay. One dog treat, specifically. Yes. To make sure that we are speaking in the same type of language that Mr. Skinner would have used. <clears throat> so, we have fixed reward, one dog treat. Random reward, jackpot at the casino, right? Yes. Because the jackpot could be $10 or it could be $10,000. Correct. Okay. Random is gambling jackpot, we will say. Correct. Okay. Now, time element. 
What is a fixed amount of time? Give me an example. Ten minutes. Sure. Okay. What is a random amount of time? Give me a range. One through a hundred. Sure. One to one hundred minutes. Okay. One to one hundred minutes. Okay. So now, <clears throat> now that we have our definitions established for these four different types of things, okay, we can now point out what happened in B.F. Skinner's experiments for each of these four quadrants, okay? Because he did experiments with fixed amount of time, fixed amount of reward, like a job, right? Mm-hmm. Fixed amount of time, okay? So we're going to draw, just for fun, we're going to draw a pigeon in our example. This pigeon is going to be wearing a hard hat because this pigeon works on a construction site. Yes. It's funny to help you remember. Okay, here's our pigeon who is working at a job. He's holding a clipboard because he is a supervisor at a construction site. So an example of a fixed amount of time for a fixed amount of reward, okay? Yes. This pigeon works one hour equals $20, okay? $20 an hour is this pigeon's wage. Yes. In this example, okay? Now, obviously, that is not how he did it in the experiment because pigeons, fortunately, do not create the buildings that they poop on, but... That was a joke. That would be very <laughs> ironic. Now, what is an example of a fixed reward in a random amount of time? So, ten, uh, an example would be, okay, we're going to use dollars because that makes a lot more sense to humans, but we'll also use dog treats as an example. Okay, A hundred dollars... $100 every 1 to 100 minutes, for example. Okay? Now, a sale at a, making a sale at a convention. That is a great example. Okay? So, if you only sell one type of product, let's say you sell mattresses. Mm-hmm. Okay? For every mattress you sell... Okay, so this, this pigeon is not a construction worker. This pigeon is... A, a business, mattress salesman. A business pigeon. This business is a sales pigeon. Okay. This pigeon gets a $20 commission. Commission. Every time this pigeon sells one mattress. Okay. This pigeon works as a mattress store. Makes sense. There are lots of people who have these kinds of jobs. This is how the job worked when I was doing consulting, where I didn't know how much money I would make each time that I went into a business, but I knew that on average, I would make somewhere around $100,000 in my first year and be very likely to make around two to 500000 in my second year after I learned the job. Uh-huh. That's how it works for most of their employees. Yeah. So you don't know how much you're going to make in every business, but you know 
roughly the amount of reward it will be over time. Okay, so random amount of time, fixed reward. Yes. Okay. Now, <clears throat> fixed amount of time, random reward. Now, this is a little bit of a strange one, because this typically does not happen in the real world. Now, they can make an experiment in the lab, where you give pigeons a random amount of food, but in the real world, this is relatively uncommon for this to happen. But what would be an example of something where, you know, every 10 minutes, you receive a random reward? So, uh, you might receive a dollar, you might receive a hundred dollars. A casino. No. A casino is a random amount of time and a random reward. It is exceptionally important because if you go into a casino, you have no idea if it's going to take one minute to win a jackpot or never win a jackpot. Well, let me clarify. Okay. So if you spend 10 minutes at the casino, mm -hmm. the reward could be zero or the reward could be something. Correct, which is why it is in this quadrant. Well, that's why it is a fixed amount of time that you're willing to put in and a random reward. Interesting. Okay, <coughs> so this is typically not how gamblers think, but this is how you think, which is why you are not a compulsive gambler. Exactly. So. I've met gamblers who do <coughs> think that way. Absolutely. And... They do very, very well. They also run their own business. They're not addicted to gambling, but they go in, they make their money, and then they get out. Correct. So another type of example of this, again, this is a relatively unusual type of situation. Yes. It doesn't often happen. But a type of example of this exact situation is speed dating. Okay. So in this example, we're going to draw two pigeons. Two! Because, and one of the pigeons will have eyelashes to indicate that it is female. Just put a bow on it. Oh, a bow, of course. And we're going to put a heart between them. Ah, cute. Because... Cute pigeons. In this example, we're going to say, one hour could lead to a relationship. Exactly. Or it could lead to a very lonely night by yourself. No. So again, fixed amount of time. The speed dating event, only in, an, in this example, the speed dating event is one hour. One hour, and you might get a reward, or you might not. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I use speed dating as the example is because it also applies for each person that you speak to at the speed date. Yes. Okay? Because at a speed dating event, unless there's an absurd amount of people, you speak to every person at the event. So it is a fixed number of chances to win a date, mm -hmm. basically. Okay? So again, fixed amount of time, random reward. You might meet the love of your life. You might meet somebody who would break your heart. You don't know until you try. Okay. Now, the most important for our purposes and for the purposes of every casino on Earth and every mobile game on Earth 
is random time, random reward. And for this, obviously, we will draw a pigeon in front of a slot machine. Now, why is in your intuitive definition, because obviously I have the scientific definition, in this example, why is it in your intuitive understanding, why is it so addictive versus these other things we would not typically call selling mattresses addictive? No. We would not typically call working at a construction site addictive. And we would not typically call speed dating addictive. Correct. But slot machines are exceptionally addictive, despite the fact that they do not provide any type of chemical to your body. That, that you're not, you know, taking a pill. Correct. You're not taking a drug. Uh-huh. You are looking at numbers and symbols on a screen. And for some reason, that is exceptionally addictive. Why is that? Good question. No idea. <clears throat> I'm sure you have an answer. Oh, what do you take me for? Not a scientist? Now, <clears throat> the reason why I used pigeons as my example is because of Mr. B.F. Skinner. Or sorry, Dr. B.F. Skinner. Because Dr. Skinner did these experiments on pigeons. Not with construction sites, mattress sales, and speed dating, but with food. <laughs> so, he tried these different types of experiments. Okay? Yes. He tried these different types of experiments. Okay? A fixed amount of food, a fixed amount of time. And what do you know? He found that paying someone for their time is the least efficient way to pay someone. Yeah, I believe it. Unsurprisingly, it is also the simplest, but it is the least efficient. And it makes the pigeons very, very, very bored. Because they know that they'll receive Three meals a day, or whatever pigeons, I don't know how often pigeons eat, but we're going to use three meals a day because that's when humans eat, okay? Yes. The pigeons know they're going to get the right amount of food three times a day. Bored pigeons. Very, very, very bored pigeons. That is a recipe for pigeons who are addicted to watching soap operas because their lives are so bored. <laughs> okay? Now, second quadrant. Random amount of time, fixed reward. Now, B.F. Skinner found that this was much more interesting to the pigeon. Okay? Random amount of time, fixed reward. Okay? So, this would be, uh, you can imagine, we'll, we'll use a dog as an example, because you connect much more with dogs than with pigeons. Again, the only reason why I'm using pigeons is because that's what B.F. Skinner did. I can imagine a world where pigeons, <clears throat> where pigeons became smart enough to sell beds and stuff. Well, that's why I use that as an example. Okay. <laughs> very sentient pigeons. I hope we never reach that point. Now. <laughs> that would be very funny. This happens with humans all the time. Oh, yeah. A random amount of time for a fixed reward. Yes. Okay? So, 
Imagine the following scenario, okay? We'll do a human example, and then we'll do a dog example if you need it. But I think the human example will be enough to explain it to you, okay? Okay. I want you to imagine <clears throat> that at a random interval, you walk out the door and you find a $100 bill on the ground. That's my lucky day. Now, sometimes you find a $100 bill, sometimes you don't. It is completely random. However, human brains do not work like computers. They are meat computers. Which means that people, when they're in this type of situation, develop superstitions. So, let's say that two days in a row, you brush your teeth, and then you open the front door, and you find a $100 bill. I brush my teeth, therefore I get $100? That is the way that the human mind works. <laughs> and so, the next day, you brush your teeth, and you open the door, and there's another $100 bill there. So now your theory is confirmed. Now the following day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you brush your teeth, and you rush to the door, and you open it, and there's nothing there. And so you say, well, I must have brushed my teeth wrong. Or maybe I brushed my teeth at the wrong time of day. Or, But the thing is, it was random from the start. Mm -hmm. So people have superstitions about the weather, for example. The weather, so far as we know, is completely random because you could, in principle, predict the weather with 100% accuracy if you modeled every single atom of the air. But that would be so difficult that you need a computer larger than the size of the Earth. The way I gauge the weather around here is I look at the clouds and I look to see what's going on. Yes, thank you, my dear. <laughs> now, when I talk about superstitions around the weather, for example, some people believe that they can feel the weather in their bones. This is an example of random random. Two random systems. Sometimes your joints hurt. Sometimes they don't. About half the time the weather is different from the day before, and about half the time it is the same. So you have two random systems interacting with each other. Oh, my knees always hurt when the weather's about to change. Sure, sure, Susan, sure. Uh, you know that for that to be true, the weather would have to be, say, underwater weather, for example. Because the pressure on your bones, or the change in your bones, is not enough to make any difference whatsoever. But it feels true. Well, I have a theory on that as well. Okay, go ahead. My theory is that inter having a ability to gauge the weather falls under one of the senses that is either underdeveloped or is one of the more primal senses. Outside the seven senses. He's shaking his head like I'm crazy, but we're about to take down Scientology, so... 